This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Aloe Recovery in sunny Southern California, in Malibu and Silver Lake. I think they have a facility in Oxnard as well. Aloe is a treatment center uh, founded by our friend Bob Forrest and his friend Evan Haynes and their friend Bob, uh, designed to treat addicts with respect and give addicts the kind of uh, respect and treatment that uh, they deserve. Bob went to a ton of places where he felt like people weren't cool and he wanted to be a part of a treatment center that was more cool. And I have had this experience myself. I've never actually been to a cool rehab, but Aloe sounds very nice. And I have a buddy who's there who claims it is as cool as I say. Some things that you should know about Aloe, they are uh, obviously their doctors are all board certified addictionologists. They have a multidisciplinary care team with a psychiatrist, masters and doctoral level therapists to treat co-occurring and underlying mental health problems, including dual diagnoses and SMI. And they use state-of-the-art pharmacology for their detox services, making clients as comfortable as they can be which is fucking critical if you have a terrible habit and you're going into detox. Their amenities include surfing, horseback riding, sweat lodges for spirit journeys, and sound bath meditations. As I like to say, if you're fucked and have nowhere else to go, you should go to Aloe. That's Aloe Recovery. This episode of Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, is also brought to you by our friends at the Just Coffee Co-op. The Just Coffee Co-op is justice from the grounds up. This is a, um, you know, forget, you know, it's a woke company. It's a company that's all about social justice and social activism and transparency. But more importantly than that, they make really, really good coffee. I have a bunch of Just Coffee Coffee. My dad got a bunch of Just Coffee Coffee. I saw a bunch of people in the Dopey Nation who bought some Just Coffee Coffee. The fact of the matter is they make really good coffee. I usually like dark roast. They have the ultra dark Maya roast, which is fucking pretty good. Really, really, really good cup of coffee. Um, I don't usually like light coffees, but I had their light roast, the Humdinger, which was also really good. And their middle coffee was also great. And their packaging is beautiful. But most importantly, if you're a Dopey fan, order the Just Coffee coffee from justcoffee.coop. Enter the, the code DOPEYPOD, save money, and support the show. Buy coffee at Just Coffee. 
Dot.coop. And if you really want to do something cool, you should write them a note that we want the dopey blend of justcoffee.coop. So crazy dopey nation people who like great coffee with beautiful packaging and support social justice, order at justcoffee.coop, enter in the dopey pod code. Here's the show. Now, before we get to the show, there's one more thing I need to do. It's not an ad, but it is a, uh, a weird sort of request. Friend of the show, Joe Shrank, wants to get a tattoo. He wants to get a tattoo in tribute of Chris, a Chris tribute tattoo. So we are starting the new Joe Shrank Chris tribute tattoo contest. Joe wants to put a tattoo of Chris on his body. He has one rule, and I really appreciate this rule. The tattoo cannot have the word toodles in it. So anybody in the Dopey Nation who is an artist, especially a tattoo artist or designer and feel or a tattoo enthusiast and wants to, you know, get in on this tattoo action, uh, send a design to me at dopeypodcast.com. No, that's wrong. Send it to me at dopeypodcast at gmail.com and um, and get in on the Joe Shrank Chris Tribute Tattoo Contest. Remember, the only rules is no toodles, which I like. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And and I'm Dave. And as I promised you... The great, uh, amazing, in recovery, writing, and, and what else do you do? Amy, what do you do? I fucking speak, and I write, and I do a lot of podcasts. A lot of podcasts, a lot of writing, a lot of speaking. The great Amy Dresner. Welcome Woo! back. Thank you. So how you feel? I feel good, man. It's good to be on. It's good to talk to you. I'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I've had you've come on the show a few times, and uh, I have obviously read your book, and, and I'm going to plug your book really quickly. Ooh. My Fair Junkie, a great memoir. What, what is it, what's the underline of, of My Fair Junkie? It's called a memoir of getting dirty and staying clean. A memoir of getting dirty and staying clean, and uh, and I never told you my one issue with your book. Oh, tell me. When you describe your time cleaning the streets of Los Angeles as a chain gang. Mm-hmm. How can you describe it as a chain gang? There was no chain. Because it's funny. It's, 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 I'm a writer, and it's like, what am I? It's community labor. Because it's like a, it's like called like a chain. I just made it funny. It's made it more interesting. It's you write a book, bitch, and like you know, like, you know, like I'll criticize your thing. It's just you know, I don't think every chain gang has to have chains. Let's look it up. I think you should look it up. Did I ever tell you the story? Uh, years ago, I started, um, like, I had an idea before Dopey. It was, it was to do T-shirts that said, Oy they" instead of popular things. Like, there would be Nike with, instead of Nike, you'd have the swoosh and say, Oy vey. You know, there would, I had a picture of a Charlie Brown instead of Andre the Giant. Instead of Obey, it said, Oy vey. You with okay, me here? Fine. All right, all right. So, it's a group of prisoners chained together to perform menial or physical Physically challenging work is a form of punishment. Fine, we weren't chained together. You weren't chained. Anyway, let me listen to my Oy story really quickly. So I made these stickers, okay? 
and I put them up all over Manhattan, these Oy Vey stickers. And a cop caught me putting one up on the Lower East Side, and I had to go to court. And the guy in the court made me go clean up the Williamsburg Bridge oh. with a bunch of guys. But never once did I think I was on a chain gang. It's just funny. Oh, my God. What? I'm just saying. And, and then there's big news in the Amy Dresner community also. As far as I've heard, your cat... Colonel Puff Puff has a new Instagram page. Is this I'm true? I'm not running that. I'm not running that, as you can tell. It's not. He's grilling the fuck out of me. It's brutal. Did you see? He created My Fair Colonel, the memoir of getting a cat and staying fuckable. <laughs> Who did it? I can't res- There is someone running that page. It is a friend of mine, and it's, yeah, it's brutal. It was fucking brutal. Getting a cat and remain... So you're, you've gotten a cat and you've remained fuckable is the point. No, I don't know. It's been a, it's been a dry spell. How long we how long we going in the dry spell? Well, I mean, it's not like I couldn't, you know... Really, we talk about this? Um... You brought up the dry spell. I mean, you brought, you brought a cat, fuckable... I Okay, but that's why my friend's fucking with me because, you know, guys don't like cat people. And it's like, I have one motherfucking cat, but he has his own clothing line and shit. Like, it's ridiculous. I didn't create any of that, but it doesn't matter. It makes me look like a psycho. Um, I haven't had sex in two years. But that was, that's by choice, right? And that's in, in... Yeah, I mean, I could, I could get laid, but I want a relationship. I want a partner. Yeah. And any, 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 anybody I, on the horizon? I told, someone reached out to me and they said... Um, if I didn't know you personally, I would be very intimidated. This is a guy. I'd be intimidated by you. And I was like, why? And he's like, because you're really talented and whatever. And I was just like, like, don't people, guys have balls? Like, I'm like, you know me. I'm like, I cry. I'm totally neurotic Jew. Like, I'm super sensitive. Like, why am I intimidating? That's awful. Well, I mean, I think you're intimidating because of those things. Because, because you're you're incredibly bold, you're incredibly forward, you're incredibly funny, you're incredibly outspoken. So, like, beautiful. Where's being beautiful? Incredibly beautiful. But I, but it, but I can't. If I say I could, you know, I could catch heat if I if I say how attractive you are. You know. I got I shot new photos yesterday. They're super rock and roll. I'm excited to post them, and maybe I'll I'll use one for this. This is they're dope. They're so rock and roll. What are you wearing in them? Uh, like ripped t-shirts with no fucking bra. Like, like see-through shirts. I mean, a marabou. They're so rock and roll. All right. Really cool. I mean, that other that other one's really beautiful, but it's like, I look like part of the royal family. And then you, I open my mouth and you're like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, it's a beautiful photo on the, on the couch. I love that picture. I love that picture. And I also love that it looks like a 60s picture. You know, it looks like. Yeah, like I like vintage stuff. Yeah, like that. Uh, yeah, I haven't really had many dates. Less men seem to be interested in me since the book came out. I don't know if that's because, like, I talk about shooting coke in my face and all the people I boned, or if they're intimidated because they think I'm rich and famous, which is so fucking not true. Oh my god. Maybe it's you the know? sex addiction piece. Like, how often do you talk about the sex addiction piece? I don't really talk. I mean, I, I, it's like, I mean, I was quoted in a magazine recently about it, but it's like. Okay, so I went through a period where I boned a bunch of people. That was years ago. I mean, that's the thing that's stigmatized among among women a lot, and it sucks because, like, 
But that's part of my alcoholism. That was absolutely part of my alcoholism, which was like, I want to check the fuck out. You know what I mean? All of it. You know, it's all the same thing. That's what I talk about. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a Xanax or a donut or a dick. It's like, how do I, I put something in my body and I change my feelings? That's it. It was about changing my feelings, which to me is what addiction is about. You know? So what do you do now? Like, like, do you, I mean, I still find that I use food very much to change my feelings. I, I, you know, I have, I've used sex to change my feelings. I, uh, you know, my 12 step stuff isn't always a hundred percent effective. Um, so like, what do you go to if, if the sex addiction is being treated, the food addiction is being treated, the drug addiction is being treated, the alcoholism, the, it's pretty, it's a narrow road, man. So what do you have left, Amy? Are you smoke again? Are you smoking? No, I I mean, it's something I'm struggling with. When I get upset or, or, or depressed, I go buy a pack of Newports, like I'm a 20 year old in rehab again, which is totally embarrassing. Um, that's something I go to which is something I'm struggling with. Um, I feel my feelings, and they suck. Right. I cry a lot. I call my sponsor. I take a nap. I mean, I just, you know, I don't really, there's not really much of an escape. I mean, smoking seems to be the thing that I've been kind of relapsing on lately. Like, yesterday during the shoot, I hate having my photo taken. I'm super neurotic. I have, like, body dysmorphia, and I smoked, you know? My sponsee was there, and she had cigarettes, and I fucking smoked through the whole shoot. I find myself, um, when I get off the train, I see people smoking, and I go right up to them. You know? No, I do. inhale it? No, I, inhale it? I just, like, sniff at it, and I look at it, and I, and I always just think, like, hey, give me a cigarette, you know? Uh, and I think it, right? But I, I never do it, and I don't uh, do it. So well, no, I don't do it for a couple of reasons. I mean, I use food. I think I use food more than anything. Like last night, I was working on something, and I stayed up till twelve. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's a longer story. It's kind of stupid. I went on a catering job yesterday, uh, mm-hmm. and we were catering at this corporate cafeteria in Manhattan at the MetLife building, and oh, okay. uh, and in the middle of the room, they have this island full of cookies you know what I'm saying a cookie island if you will <laughs> and um, and I'm on the job with my buddy and that his sounds name. like a porn cookie island <laughs> return to cookie island um, so I'm, I'm like my buddy Co- Toast we call him Toast he's the meat cutter and um, and he's like yo Dave I'm gonna go get some cookies and I'm like alright oh, go get some cookies get me some cookies and wrap them up for later cause I can't oh, eat the oh my god I don't want to eat the cookies now because it'll be a big problem. But I, I eat cookies after the sun goes what do you down. Mean it'll be a big problem. I eat cookies after the sun goes down, Amy. I can't yeah, eat cookies no, while. Heard about your weird cookie problem. While the, while the sun is out, I can't eat cookies. <laughs> so I wrap up all these cookies. What are you a vampire? You can't eat cookies when the sun is up. You have to eat them at night. I just eat them like it's it's like my reward for the end of the day is oh the God. is cookies and milk. So I wrap up all these what cookies. Are you fucking ten. I don't know. Ten this is. Old? That's, oh my god! That's what I do. You can drink, you can drink milk. I thought I'm 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 lactose intolerant. I thought most Jews were. No, I, I don't know if I am or not, but I love Dunkin' chocolate chip, would, oh, chocolate chip cookies. Know, honey, you would know. What does you lactose intolerance look like? Gassy and bloated and stomach cramps. Oh, you would know. It honey, sounds like it know. sounds like I'm lactose intolerant. Then. <laughs> 
but um, so I get home and um, and I had I actually recorded an interview last night that I can't uh, use, and it went on like uh, it went on way too long, and and I fucked up. I wasn't the the dynamic interviewer I want to be, and um, and and it's like twelve thirty, right? It's twelve thirty at night. I knew I had to get up at six this morning, and I was like, I should just go to bed, but I knew those cookies were wrapped up in my pocket downstairs and they were just calling out to me and I and I said to myself I should go to bed I'll feel better but I said how can you deprive yourself these cookies tonight and I went downstairs and I and I sat and I turned on Mad Men. I'm just like watching Mad Men again. Oh my God, you're so funny. Oh God, talk about a show that wants makes you want to smoke. Jesus Christ. I know, I know. And I and I indulged in these cookies and an old brownie. I had gone to the two catering jobs back to back and I still had another package of cookies from the day before <laughs> that I didn't indulge in and I indulged in it last night. And that's oh, and then so funny. in the morning I woke up sick. I think I am lactose. Oh. I woke up gassy bloated, sick, not not comfortable, and it was like me giving into something. And I avoid that same temptation with smoking because if I smoke a cigarette, I'll need to smoke every cigarette. Oh no shit. That's what I keep doing. I keep making the same dumb mistake over and over again with it. You know what I mean? Where I go, I could just have one and it's like it's exactly like my addiction, you know? I haven't smoked for a month. It's like like I, I won't buy any. I'll just bum them and like it's like as soon as you open up, it's like anything. I mean, well, nicotine creates dopamine, and I'm all about fucking dopamine. So I know. You know, and someone said that to me. Someone said, "Oh, it seems your serotonin levels are obviously quite low." <laughs> and I was like, "No kidding, I'm a heroin addict." You know what I mean? Like, uh, well, that's. I mean, serotonin, dopamine. I mean, heroin affects dopamine. I think. I mean, that's. You should have West, Dr. Westman on. He knows all about this stuff, and he's doing genetic testing. And it's like that's the whole thing. Is like you know, people that are basically their brain chemistry is off before they pick up drugs. So that's why the drugs go ding. It clicks for them because they're like, fuck, I feel normal. But it's a, but it makes the drugs make their serotonin or dopamine shoot up so fucking high and then they crash and then it's like, you know what I mean? It's this horrible cycle. Yes, I do know what you so, mean. You know, I'm st- I'm looking at like changing my meds because like I went through depression where I was like in bed for five days. I was like, this is awesome. Well, how did you, what, did, what, the depression hit you and you were, because I saw you tweeting and I texted you, I reached out to you because I, I am a concerned friend and you were like, fuck you, I'm fine. And, um, no, you know what I'm talking about. No, I mean, there's, I, I've been living with this since I was 15. I mean, nothing, I, I've been, I was broken lonely when the depression hit and I was broken lonely when the depression listed. So, I mean, it's chemical. It's chemical. So, and how are you treating it? I'm on Prozac, but I don't think it's enough. Right. I'm looking at treating. Look, I've been on everything else. I mean, I also, but your thoughts change your, your your brain chemistry too. So it's like the way I'm thinking about things. That's why it's like all like you know, you know, feeling sorry for myself, worrying about you know the TV development of my book. Like da da da. I'm gonna be broke forever. I'm gonna be lonely forever. Like fucking all that kind of thinking is not good. Instead of being like grateful and blah blah blah. I mean, I don't know where the where, you know. It's all connected. That's what's weird. You know. So it's like. But, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm listening. So, like, the, I mean, so where? I mean, do you want to talk about the TV development of your book? That's so fucking I exciting. Can't, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to. Okay. It's just, that's all. I can't. I'm not actually legally allowed to talk about it. You know, I, I but, think. But we're moving forward, and it's exciting. It's very exciting, and I, I wish you incredible, incredible success with that. Um, and I would love the opportunity to be able to do a female-driven story about addiction in a real way that's not salacious, that's not exploitive, that's true to you know to our experiences. It's funny though. It's like it's like you say that. It's like aren't all addiction stories salacious by their nature? You know. Yeah, but I'm talking about like you know extra, you know, like you know, fucking intervention or or when I was on the doctors. Like I mean, it was just awful. They were like you know, they they just they didn't talk about any of my recovery. They didn't talk about like my epiphany when I was sweeping the streets. They just were like you know. <laughs> Rehabs, four psych wards, Beverly Hills girl gone bad, you know, shooting coke, sex with strangers. I was like, oh, come on, man. You know what I mean? Like, they opened with a with an audio clip of the book of me threatening my ex with a knife. It was like, you know, that's like for that. that I was their pony. I was their circus pony, and it sucked. Right, I hear you. That's the headline. Whereas, yeah. whereas on Dopey, it's just like the cost of doing business. Is we've all been there. That's why. Yeah, yeah, it was different. I mean, the, you know, the audience was a live audience. They were horrified. They were all like grannies, and they were just like, "Oh my god!" It was embarrassing, man. It was embarrassing. I hear you, but at the same time, it's like I would be willing. To like, it's funny. I'd be willing to do it. I think I would need to like wear a disguise. You know? I didn't know. I didn't know. I was like, you know, I don't want to be exploited. Like, I want to talk about the book and recovery. That's what's important and break the stigma. I didn't know that they were gonna kind of like hit that angle. What I'm thinking is, I want to go on Doctor Phil, and I want to oh, go God. on like dressed as a Hasidic Jew or a clown. <laughs> Or something, or a pirate, and I want to tell my story, but I want to be like, or maybe like the Beastie Boys dress up in sabotage. Like I would want a fake mustache and aviator glasses and a wig but and why? stuff. Why? But but like, break, why not break your anonymity? Why are you so obsessed with anonymity? Like that that is what's hurting the recovery movement. You know, I had just you know I was just on the great Alexis Haynes podcast talking about this, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm poor and I need to keep my job. I'm not fucking out my anonymity so I can't fair, get hired. Fair enough. It's like, oh, oh David so-and-so is a, a renowned heroin addict and fucking multiple yeah, relapser. So you know, well, first of all, the fact that they would even fire you when you're testing clean and you've been clean for years, you know what I mean? It's like, that's fucked. And that has to change in society. I no, mean, but my point is, Amy, this is my point, right? I, I'm obviously a waiter in a very, very well-to-do Jewish restaurant right, in Manhattan. Right. And I would like to have a different job one day. You know, I would of love course. it for Dopey to be this lucrative juggernaut of, of power. However, in the meantime, let's say I want to go to Sirius XM or I want a job, you know, doing marketing someplace and they Google my name and they say, oh, you had like seizures on airplanes and got wheeled off. They're not going to like want to hire me. Did you have a seizure on an airplane like me? Dude, I've, yeah. I, I fucking, I was flying. It was for work. I was on a work trip. Oh, okay. We were, I was going oh. to South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Oh. And I get on the train, or I'm sorry, I get on the plane. And, um, and I don't know about you, but when I would have seizures, it would just felt like I was falling asleep. 
Like, oh, no. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was at an aura. I didn't feel it coming on. And then I'd wake up and I'd bit my tongue. I'm bleeding right, out of right, my right, mouth right, and right, everything right. hurts and whatever. Well, I, I had probably, I had probably 15 seizures, you know, grand mal seizures. And you're not, and you're not on medication? No, no. no. Oh, see, I have, I'll, I'll continue to seize if I don't stay on medication. No. I, like, fuck my brain up on a... I, I don't, maybe I should be on medication, but but no. If you haven't had a seizure in a couple of years, you're fine. I mean, literally, I they've gone tests and I have hyperactive lesions from all the crystal. But I had a seizure on a plane too because you know if you get high on planes, you know it's like when you're drinking on planes, it's like it actually increases. I don't know. It has sort of an exacerbating effect on the drugs, which I didn't know. So I went and did a line of crystal in the bathroom and I fucking seized and I woke up on, on the floor. Wow. Yeah. I, I remember that story. See, I had a seizure yeah. on a plane before the plane took off. Were you, were you coming off or down? Yeah, I was coming off of benzos. Like, oh, well, that's, that's, that's like classic. See, all of you, yeah, that's, that's no. You come off that. Those are the two alcohol and benzos are the two drugs that you will absolutely seize, and you need a medical detox for. Everything else is uncomfortable. But you're not going to fucking die. Yeah, I was a notorious uh, benzo eater, and I would eat like yeah. just I would yeah. eat benzo's like brutal. Yeah, and so like I remember like yeah. I, I seized on the plane, Oof. and then uh, a stewardess was waking me up. Or like, or like slapping me, or whatever the case was, and I said, no, 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 no. I just fell asleep. I need to get to Texas. <laughs> you know. Well, you're, I mean, I've always been super disoriented when I come to, and like, I, and they're like, you had a seizure. I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, I just, I'm so disoriented, and I don't recall it. But then, if I'm like, you know, like I had a seizure outside, like a really like fucking hip diner out here, and I face planted, and some asshole put a spoon in my mouth, and I broke a tooth, and I get stitches in my face and shit like that. What do you mean they put a spoon in your mouth? They thought I was going to swallow my tongue. There's that There's that mythology that when you seize, you're going to swallow your tongue. So he put a spoon in my mouth, and he broke one of my teeth. Because you bit the spoon. Yeah, I once almost bit my tongue in half. That, was, I, that only happened one, in one... I think I had mostly mild seizures. I had one seizure that was just off the charts, where I, uh, where I, I famously fell out of a loft bed onto a glass oh, bong, onto a glass bong and, uh, and I was seizing for a little while where my girlfriend actually called the police. Uh, the police oh. came in. I, I, she said I grabbed the, for the police's gun as they were taking oh me out of, the, out of the apartment. Then as also... <laughs> As they, my favorite part of the story, though, is as they were taking me out of the apartment, I'm grabbing onto the door frame as if to say, don't take me away, um, which is my favorite part. And then I woke up That's in the awesome. hospital. I woke up in yeah, the hospital at my first. Yeah, you're super fucking disoriented when you come out of a seizure. It's gnarly. Yeah, it was. And you're that, not yourself. It's like fucking brutal. So, oh Amy, my god, I love that you grab the door frame. Yeah, it's just like oh my car- god, it's hilarious. Yeah, that's cartoon, cartoon dopey. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It really is so funny. So you've been on a few times, and and we've milked you for some good stuff. Can you think of a dopey story that maybe you haven't come come with on dopey? I should have prepped you for that. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Did I tell you when I tried to put it up my pussy and I tried to put it up my booty when I put, tried to put coke up my booty? No, let's hear this. Pussy. No, I like okay. I like hearing about your pussy and your booty okay. and coke. Let's hear about it. So I saw a Law & Order SVU, because that's like my favorite show, <laughs> that this girl was like, put coke up her pussy. And, you know, there's that famous story that, like, actually, um, uh, 
the singer of Fleetwood Mac. What's her name? Um, Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks had someone who would blow fucking blow, uh, would blow blow up her asshole with a straw right before she went on stage. Wow, I didn't hear that. Like that was their job. Wow. Um, I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've heard. Do you so think? Anyway, do you think that's on her resume? <laughs> Sorry, I like that. Um. Right, it's like uh, I, I, Stevie Nicks' personal assistant. Yeah, I duties. If I got paid well enough, fuck it. Duties include blowing coke up Stevie Nicks' yeah, butt, right? fucking, you know, pulling her hair away from her mouth when she vomits, you yeah, know. Just doctorate, like you know, special, you know, bit personal assistant to Stevie Nicks. But duties include. <laughs> what do you put in the duties include section? <laughs> duty. Got to use duty. Exactly. To blowing coke up someone's ass. That's the, the brilliance anyway, of it. Yes. Um, I can't remember if I'd blown out all my veins or what was happening. Um, oh, good. Sorry. There's like trash my way. Or I don't remember, but I was like, let's try this. You know? And, um... I put it up my pussy and I don't know what it was cut with but it burned so fucking bad and I was like immediately high and in the shower I was like ah and then I tried to put it up my asshole which is hard without a straw and an assistant I don't know how people do booty bumps like I guess you have to I don't know I don't know but I just tried to shove some up and nothing really happened and I was like back to fucking needle back to the needle that's so funny um, you know, yeah, it's got. Did it, it was, numb it? Did it numb your vagina? I fucking even saw it on Order for You and was like, "That's a good idea." <laughs> you were like, "I'm bored. I need to spice up my drug taking." Right. I was like, "Oh my god, what other orifices can we put it in?" That and then and then that was like an, a break in your needlework. You know what I mean? I you, can't. God, I can't remember that whole period. It's such a fucking. I mean, yeah, I think I just, I, you know, when, you, when you're shooting coke, you have to shoot it like every 20 minutes. It's not like heroin. It's not, you know what I mean? You have to shoot, 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 because you get the rush, and then you got to shoot it again. And so, you know, and it's hard, too, because the higher, the longer you stay awake, and the more you're shooting, the higher you get, the more you start to, just, like, tremble a little bit. And then it's really hard to hit a vein because you're shaking. Right, right. And then, you know, so it's like, what, and I was by myself, which is always a great way. And use drugs, which is what we do, you know. So, because then if you OD or you fucking crack your head open, no one's there to help you except your fucking cat. Well, I, I love, I love my favorite Amy Dresnerism is that uh, because you were so prone to seizing, you would put a, a helmet on before you did math, right? I shared that in a meeting, and someone said she did that in college. She actually was at a party, and she fucking dressed up as an astronaut, so she'd get super shit-faced and just fall over and wouldn't hit her head open. So I thought I was so brilliant, but actually that seems to be, you know, an idea that people have had. Was it a bike helmet? Yeah, it was my friend's bike helmet. It was red, and it, it had a Grateful Dead sticker. I know you like the dead. I loathe the dead, but I wore it anyway. Well, I would love to see. Do you have a picture of you in said helmet? No, that would be great. This was way before iPhones. This was years ago. Well, they they I had they they, they have ways they have ways of taking pictures without iPhones. They're Dude, called I cameras. I document this shit. I didn't think it was gonna go anywhere. I was just like, you know what I mean? 
I do. Um, let's get to a voicemail, okay? Okay. We got sure. this dude, this guy. He's a longtime fan of the show. His name is Adam. And uh, Adam and I have been corresponding for a long, long time. And I promised him I would play this voicemail. And I've, I've fucked him over a billion times. And that means, Chris, that means Christina, you know, you're out there. I'm hoping we're going to get to your voicemail later, too. But forgive me. You know, I listen, before we even play a voicemail, I have to say this. I love the Dopey Nation. Uh, I love Dopey. I love hearing from everybody. But it's very, very, very hard to um, to get to everything in a in a orderly, timely fashion. Of course, of course. Well, so, you're also solo now. I'm solo. And that's another thing before we get to the voicemail. My father's phone is just ringing in the distance. Awesome. I, I was like, Dad, why don't you just shut the ringer off? And um, he doesn't answer the phone. Because of all these like robocalls, you know, oh, yeah. And my poor father, these robocalls are making him crazy. But at well, the you can get like a blocker thing for those, you know. But the other thing, how do you get? Do you have a blocker? No, I don't. But my boss does. The other thing is that I don't know why this is, and I know he'll tell me later. For some reason, and this is like what it's like to have a seventy-five-year-old Jewish father. He has two phones in every room. He has two phones in the kitchen, two phones in the office. They're all the same line? Yeah, they're all the same line. (laughs) It's like a a special kind of hell to be in my dad's house recording (laughs) when the phone rings. You know, it's like every phone rings. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I, That's like out of a fucking movie. That's amazing. It's just that I, I, my dad is okay. Check this out. Okay, you ready? You want to hear something? Mm-hmm. And my dad's gonna get upset because my dad listens to every episode. And uh, okay, so, so dad, I apologize. But when I came to the house today, there was a salad sitting on the kitchen table. And I said, and he had he had mopped the floor. Okay, the floor was drying, and there was a salad sitting on the kitchen table. And I said, Dad, I said, what's up with the salad? He said, Oh, that's for Seymour, and Seymour's his friend. Seymour, that was my grandfather's name. Well, Seymour, Seymour's his friend, his lifelong friend, and Seymour is going to come over tonight. And I said, Dad. You can't let a salad sit on the table all day yeah, and all uh, night. And he goes, what do you mean? And then I also look at the stove, and there's a pot of rice sitting there. I said, Dad, wh- why aren't you using the refrigerator? And he gave me this look as though he had forgotten to use it. So I'm worried about my dad. Oh, uh, I get it. My parents are 82. So my mom has dementia. So don't, I don't say that. You're going to get my dad very upset. He thinks no, he's just absent-minded. He probably is. I'm absent-minded. I don't even, you know what I mean? Like, I can't remember words, and I'm in my 40s, so fuck. You know what? He's actually, he's teaching earth science across the street right now. So he's, I think he's fine. He's I an absent-minded fine. professor, technically. There you go. But, Super smart people are kind of like, that kind of stuff, we don't, you know, we don't get it. I'll tell you, though, there's something reassuring about my dad fucking up. Like him leaving the salad on the table. That kind of well, shit. you fucking food, Yeah, too. that so shit like, cracks me up. No. It's, like, so it's, it's like, Dad, the salad doesn't look good. Anyway, let's get to Adam's email, okay? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Let me find it. Voicemail, voicemail. That's what I mean, Adam's voicemail. Hey, Dave, and the rest of the Dopey Nation. Uh, this is Adam V. I'm Kid Vermin 94 on the Twitters. 
Um, and I'm going to try and quickly tell you the dopey story of my bachelor party. Uh, this took place back in 2002. Uh, the setting is beautiful skinny Atlas Lake in one of the Finger Lakes uh, in central New York. Um, I was still uh, working as a clinical pharmacist at a hospital, and I was, you know, a barely functioning addict at the time. Uh, my at my um, oh, I was popping, you know, at the time I was popping 50 Percocet a day, and I was adding on top of that. Um, usually at least 120 milligrams, but usually more of Oxycontin. Um, I wasn't, you know, I was very naive. I, w- I didn't, you know, cr- you know, snort them or shoot them or any of that. I had no idea that even was possible. Okay, so it, this takes place the first week of um, the first week. Oh my God, of April, and that's opening season for trout fishing in New York State. So a fishing camp. Me and a bunch of my college buddies and a bunch of local guys that were friends with one of my college buddies, uh, we had this fishing camp. And we'd fish during the day and party at night. Now, those guys were just drinking beer and smoking weed because one of the dudes that was local there was also a pot dealer. Um, But that's all they were doing. But me, I was popping all those pills. And also, we were going to destroy... A whole bottle of two milligram Ativan, and so of course, you know, instead of flushing that shit down the toilet, I kifed it and took it home and brought it as party favors to fishing camp. So the night of my bachelor party, uh, one of my best man had arranged for two strippers to come down from Syracuse and you know do their thing for us, and you know we'd partied up with the girls, and that was my bachelor party. So the girls get there, you know, they're, you know, in their 20s, beautiful girls, you know, they uh, set up a circle in the living room of chairs, and they take one chair into the kitchen. And I thought that was kind of weird, but I was like, whatever, you know, I'm fucked up. You know, I'd been, you know, taking my normal load of the Percocets and Oxys. I had taken a bunch of Ativan, at least three that I remember taking, Um and smoking weed and drinking Guinness. They bought a bunch of Guinness for me because that was my favorite beer. So I'm doing great. I'm sitting in the throne, the best chairs because it's my bachelor party or whatever. And the music's bumping. You know, the big bodyguard guy is, you know, standing in the corner. And, you know, one of the girls starts her show and it was, you know, great. She's beautiful, you know, she's totally naked and all that jazz. And the other girl, uh, went with one my one of my buddies that set this whole thing up, you know, that ran the fishing camp into the kitchen. And so I didn't think much of it. You know, I'm having a blast. You know, I'm fucked up. I can't feel a thing. You know, it's, you know, I was on cloud nine, literally. And so my other buddy, the best man, goes into the kitchen. And he's gone for like 15 minutes, just like the first guy. And I'm like, well, you know, this is really weird, but okay, fuck it, you know. And, and you know, I'm tossing dollar bills and, and fives and tens and whatever at these at the first girl that's stripping, and it's great. And then the, then those both those guys come to me and they say, okay, it's your turn. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, it's a VIP room in the kitchen. You know, it costs fifty bucks to go in there, but we covered for you. You you know, you're all set. Go in there. It's fucking amazing. It's gonna blow your mind. It's great. 
And I'm thinking, what? You know, I'm like, a VIP room? Like, I kind of vaguely know what a VIP room in a strip shop, strip uh, parlor is going to consist of, you know, like lap dances and such. So I'm like, oh, okay, no big deal. So I go into the VIP kitchen, and, um, you know, the other girl's in there, and she starts, you know, dancing, and, you know, Motley Crue's bumping in the background, you know, and... You know, she's doing her thing and she's grinding on my lap and, you know, it's it's great, but I'm really, really fucked up on, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, the basically the staff sergeant isn't saluting at that point, you know, it's just I'm just enjoying the show, but there's no go in the crotch region down there, you know. So then she's, you know, tells me, you know, that in the VIP room. You know, comes with a little special thing, and she reaches down to grab my uh, manhood, and realizes that there's nothing going on. And she says, "Well, normally what she's been doing is she's been, you know, giving out hand jobs." So I'm like, "Okay." She goes, "But you know, what's wrong? You know, you do like girls, right? You're marrying a woman." And I'm like, "Well, yes, of course. You know, I'm heterosexual and all that, but you know, I'm." Just, you know, trying to come up with an excuse to tell her why I'm totally limp. And um, she looks me in the eye and she says to me, is everything okay? And I fucking lost it. Like, I totally lost it. I couldn't uh, stop crying. And I'm like, and I tell her everything. I tell her how I've been stealing pills from the pharmacy for months on end, you know, that I found this loophole in the computer system and I was able to steal the drugs right out of the safe and that no one knew, none of my friends here knew, my fiance didn't know, my family didn't know, like I was using completely alone. I was using all that, you know, hydro or oxycodone and anything else that was going to be thrown away and... You know, I was totally alone. And I was crying to the stripper, and she was, you know, very sweet. And it felt like this weight had been lifted off my shoulders, and I felt a little better. And, you know, she was sat down on my lap, and she's stroking my hair. And she's like, you know, you seem like a sweet guy. You need to go get help and all that stuff. And I'm like, you know... Maybe, maybe someday, but I'm functioning, you know, I'm going to work every day and I don't take anything at work. You know, I time everything perfectly. You know, I've got, I take things exactly so that, if you know, when I'm at work for those eight hours, I'm not technically on anything. But of course I'm lying to myself because I'm taking the, the Oxycontin hole and those last for 12 hours and there's no way my timing was right. I was just lying to myself. But Either way, I thought I was functioning and holding my shit together, and I could justify in my head that it's okay to steal all this shit. But yeah, so I'm, you know, at my bachelor party, I got a beautiful woman in my lap who wants to give me a hand job, and I can't do it because of all the drugs. Yet to me, it's just another day, you know, in paradise. So, um, that's it, I guess. That's, you know, my dopey bachelor party story. I got way too fucked up, I couldn't get it up. And I, so the only person in the world besides myself that knew I was an addict was this beautiful young stripper from Syracuse. So uh, stay strong, Dopey Nation. I love you guys. You saved my life. And uh, toodles for Chris. I miss you, man. Um, 
Bye. Wow. That's Adam, Kid Vermin, on the Twitters. What was your favorite part? I thought it was so sweet that she sat on his lap and stroked his hair and was like, you need to get help. I mean, fuck. My favorite. Stripper with a heart. Like, that was, like, so, so sweet to me. Well, he's Stripper with a Heart of Gold. It's a great story. Stripper with a heart of gold. My favorite thing is Adam's, you know, he's definitely anachronistic. He is a man out of time. He's listening to Motley Crue, and he's talking about <laughs> being at a strip parlor. Like, who says strip parlor, Adam? No, I love that. I love, he didn't swear at all or say dick or cock or anything. He said the like, staff sergeant would the staff sergeant salute. The staff sergeant was the fucking best. That was the best. I'm surprised he didn't black out. Like, when I'm taking Adam out, I've totally blacked out. Adivan is a benzo, right? Yeah, and it's fucking, I like it a lot. And when they, they, it's like a seizure protocol. And I mean, I told you the story. They gave it to me and I fucking got a fucking script and I was blacked out for almost two weeks taking it and going to meetings and trying, like calling people. And then my dad was like, you need to go somewhere and cool out. And I was like, you mean like a spa? Right. And he right. was like, yeah, kind of. And I ended up at the psych ward. So that shit makes me black the fuck out. But I, I mean, the feeling before you black out is awesome. But I he was on so much shit. I'm surprised he remembers any of that. It's kind of it's kind of like a spa. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, right. Kind of. Um, Adam is a, is a great fan of the show. He's a great dude. I hear from him all the time. I'm glad we finally got to play your fucking voicemail. You are a... Uh, He's a wonderful guy. So thank you, Adam. Also, like, the t- I mean, the horrible thing is, like, nobody knowing. Like, just your secret, and you're using a secret, and nobody knows. Like, ugh. And him spilling his guts. I love that, when he spills yeah, to the stripper. Just, it's fucking amazing. It's- Amazing. You know, I've never been in a VIP room in a strip club ever, or strip parlor ever. Strip parlor. Isn't that fucked up, Amy? Um, I've never been in a VIP thing either. I've been to a strip club like once, and I was just not really into it. I was just kind of like, okay. What other places are parlors? There's a strip parlor. There's an ice cream parlor. What else? Um, I don't. Is there like a? No, that's such a barbershop. That's not a parlor. That's a barber shop. Yes, it is. I just looked it up, bitch. It Nobody is. says barber bar, barber parlor. <laughs> That's not what I think. <laughs> but but like I love that word parlor. It reminds oh, me of my grandma. Well, Hello. I'm looking. I'm looking at stuff to back myself up. All right. What do you got? It did. It says the cut by parlor. There's like definitely. There's. It says yes. Barbershop. Here. The thing is. Is a reception room or public space. In medieval Christian Europe, the outer parlor was room where the monks or nuns conducted business with those outside the monastery. In the parlor. And the inner parlor, that was the outer parlor, and the inner parlor was used for necessary conversations between resident members. Wow. And then there's parlor games. I, I think the word parlor is really underused in our society. I think we should bring, well, let's it bring it back. Yeah. Let's bring it back. Here, I, tea parlor. Tea parlor. Tea pa- Bohemia tea parlor. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you this thing. You ready? I didn't send this to you. I'm going to read this to you real quick. I want to hear your okay. take. Uh, it's from a guy named Dave, uh, ironically or not ironically, whatever. Uh, he says, I know this doesn't quite fit with the general purpose of the show, but you should do some episodes on the millions of recreational drug users who aren't addicted or fucking up their lives. As one of them, I feel underrepresented. All, all we ever seem to hear 
hear about are the addicts or the abstainers. We're not abstainers. We're in recovery, you fucking idiot. As a result, most people who don't use think all drug users are either addicts or in rehab. That's not true. That's not true. In reality, the majority are responsibly using everything from alcohol to uh, marijuana to opioids. We don't have the crazy stories that the addicts do, but I'm sure it can be made entertaining. Any okay, thoughts? First, uh, yeah, well, where do I start? Number one, I don't think that everyone that uses drugs is, or drinks is an addict. Do you? No, of course not. You know what I mean? I think that's people who are like brainwashed by AA or whatever. It's like they're part hard partiers. I know plenty of people who break a fucking bone, get prescribed oxy, fucking, you know, heal up and throw the shit away. Like, I know plenty of people who can do that. Doesn't Bill Wilson why that, describe? Why does, that group, why does that group need support? Yeah. What's the pain there? Where's the pain there? They're not fucking up their lives. Why do you need support? That's mostly, like, we are like, what? Added to like ten percent of the fucking population. What are we like? I think even less than that. I'm not sure of the stats, but like most people aren't doing that. So we are the minority, and we you're underrepresented. You're underrepresented. You're the, the majority of the world. And there's also shows for you guys. There's a show on Vice called like drunk stories and party stories and watch those shows go fucking do your thing and and like if you don't want if you're not an addict and you're not interested dopey's about addicts and addiction it's not about fucking using successfully that's not what dopey's about there seems also like you said we're using responsibly it's like oh so like yeah it was really my choice to use irresponsibly well, that's that like, whole that, substance that's use that's disorder or whatever, right? Fucking, yeah, that's someone who doesn't understand addiction. Like, there's no choice once you fucking get rolling. There's not. A, there's no choice involved. You know what I mean? Or we'd stop. I no think that's like, an interesting. Hey, this is a great fucking idea. I'm living under a bridge, shooting up with fucking pond water. You know what I mean? Like, fucking, this is awesome. And my family won't talk to me, but I, you know, I want to keep going. Like, your brain gets hijacked. Right. Like, Hello. Right. Responsibly. I think, I think though, this is a, an example of dopey growing. I think this is an example of dopey growing when I get an email like that that, that says they want to have, have a show about just using. They can have a show. <laughs> like, start their own show. You, you, thank, thank you. Then the other thing that happened that I just need to talk about, and I wanted to talk about it earlier, was last week on the show, we had uh, AJ Benza on. And uh, if you didn't listen, I, I, you know, I thought he was great. Now, I just want to say that um, A.J. Benza, he's a, a dude from Long Island. He's a gossip reporter. He is an addict and he's an alcoholic, but he's not in recovery. And he's kind of like an old school Italian fucko guy. Right. And, right. and part of his shtick is to be a little bit racy and right wing. And I took a lot of heat last week on Facebook for giving him a platform. I thought his stories were so good, but in both cases, what I'm doing is I'm trying to get dopey stories out there. Dopey is right. about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. If, if these right. guys aren't on the show propagating anti-women messages or anti-Islam right. messages or anti-immigrant messages, it's just drugs addiction and dumb shit right. AJ was in trouble he described his trouble he described his suffering and I have compassion for him regardless of what his politics are frankly right. 
you know? So, so everybody in the dopey nation who's struggling with my not being woke enough for you, I think there are podcasts for that too. Well, I also, why is it, why are you not woke if you're willing to have a conversation with someone that has a contradictory belief? Like, to me, being woke is about, like, hey, you know what? I disagree with your opinion. You're allowed your opinion. And the only way to, to change people's opinion is to have a conversation without any animosity and to discuss stuff and to educate people. Exactly, and to be You're open. You're not going to change someone's opinion by attacking them. They're going to go in a fight-or-flight mode. They're going to get really fucking defensive. And it's just like, what, are you supposed to background check and check, you know, that every single thing? You know, it's like, I've already said something about Muslims. It's just like, you know, like, okay, I don't agree with that, but you know what? Everyone has a right to their opinion. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like, that's, I think to me that's being woke is like, is... Wow, I don't I don't agree with your opinion, but I'm going to agree to disagree. Right. Well, dopey isn't about politics. It's about drugs, addiction, right, and dumb shit. Right, that just to come up by accident. Well, it's... I mean? but, like, yeah, no, no, no. I don't think you were giving a platform to fucking rapists or Muslim haters. That wasn't... I mean, that just happened to come up. You know what I mean? It's like... That's not what your idea was like. Hey, this guy really, you know, he's got some horrible ideas. Let me give him a microphone and let him discuss. Right. And if he had discussed any horrible ideas, we would have discussed them. You know what I mean? And I don't think I, and I would not be satisfied or content with having anything about hate or discrimination or abuse on the show. And I mean, like, I am pretty apolitical, but I do believe in everybody's right to freedom and respect and love and happiness. You know, that's what absolutely. I believe. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I'm going to read you another one. I sent this to you, but I'm going to read it to you. Unless you have it. Do you have it handy? The uh, Well, you want to talk about the, the African-American situation? Oh, let's play that voicemail. Because That's what I think is really interesting. Because in the wake of two episodes ago where my dad, my sweet, forgetful father, who leaves his salad out on the table... Um, he, uh, he, he decided that he, he doesn't have white privilege, but my dad's going to yell at me for that. My dad has a point about white privilege. We'll get to that another time. Um, but a lot of people in the Dopey Nation freaked out, and, and the fact is that the Dopey listeners are probably 95% white people, you know, and there's nothing I can do about that. However, there is a nice young woman named Adira who really, who, who happens to not be white. She's a black woman and she loves Dopey and she yeah. wanted to uh, leave a message uh, yeah. for the Dopey Nation. So let's, let's this find her. This is really her. important, I think. This is super important. This is interesting and important. Let me find yeah. her. Let me find her. I'm not, I should have everything ready to go, Amy. I apologize. Yeah, what's your problem? Come on. I'm slow. Here we go. Adira. You find your cookies though, huh? Hey, what's up, Dave? My name is Adira and I am a Dopey newcomer. A dopey newcomer, an AA newcomer as well, um, and uh, I don't know, black girl extraordinaire, I guess if you want to call it that. Anyways, I uh, I've just recently discovered your podcast. Um, I don't know, maybe just like a month ago, and since then I've just been binging like a fucking wild person. Um, I find it incredibly dark and delicious, actually. Um, I don't know, man. I I heard the uh, 
the episode uh, with your pops, Alan, and New York City Sarah's comment. And uh, yeah, I just thought maybe I could add some flavor, if you will, to the podcast. I think you do an incredible job. Um, it's actually kind of daunting to even leave this memo because I'm afraid that you might think it's absolutely lame. Um, but yeah, I would just like to talk about, um, I don't know, uh, addiction or mental disorders in the African-American community is just not recognized, if, if that's a good way to articulate it. Uh, my father, who is actually a physician, um, a Kenyan immigrant, he moved here in 72, and I'm actually first generation. I was the first person in my family to be born in the United States um, in 1980, so I'm about 37, or no, I'm 38, I'm 38 now. Anyhow, um, my dad was so incredibly annoyed when he realized I was an addict. You know, it was just like, I finally had to be like, Daddy, I'm an addict. I can't fucking help it. I mean, I've got some dopey stories. However, I don't know how dark it is. I think it might be too dark because, um, you know, my addiction really hit... Um, a new plateau um, when I was pregnant. I have a six-month or almost seven-month-old baby, my third born, um, and I'm just about six months clean. So I don't know. You do the math. I don't know if uh, Dopey Nation's ready to hear about um, pregnancy uh, drug debauchery stories. I think that's incredibly dark. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. You, you, you tell me if it's something you would like to hear, the Dopey Nation would like to hear. Uh, there might be women that are listening and um, have dealt with the same thing I've dealt with. You know, by the grace of God, my, my daughter, who is beautiful and perfect, um, came out healthy. And I don't fucking even know how. Uh, maybe because I wasn't using it intravenously. I'm not even really sure. My drug of choice was fentanyl, 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 and some Xanax, too. But I would wear the patches. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, how she was okay but she was okay but it didn't even matter because the jig was up and everyone in my family already fucking knew that I was doing drugs um and the crazy lies I told and the nodding out at uh field trips I mean it's it gets it, it's it's some crazy shit so I don't know I would just you know like to discuss things with you or you could just play this shit I'm not even sure uh if it's good enough or it would make the cut but I uh, just want to say I appreciate what you guys are doing, man. Um, I love listening to you and Todd. I love listening to you and Chris. I love hearing stories from Dylan. Um, I do like recovery uh, things, but I go to AA all the time, so I get enough of that shit there. I like to hear the shit you guys have to say because it reminds me of how fucking crazy this shit is. And, uh, you know, listening to that podcast with your dad, who really got riled up at the idea of white privilege, I thought. Um, and that's a sidebar conversation. Um, I find a lot of white people, that's like their hot, that's like the hot button issue. If you say white privilege, they freak the fuck out. Um, and they don't understand what, what that means. But I felt like you had a good grasp of what that meant. So, yeah, um, you know, have me on the show. Let's discuss drugs and dumb shit you know, as it pertains to African-Americans. Um, I don't know. Our stories might not be that different. Maybe, maybe not. All right. Thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. Toodles. Fucking Adira coming through in the clutch. Oh, shit. Fucking love her. Yeah. Fucking Adira, you did the right thing. You saw we had a problem and you stepped right in. And I appreciate yeah. it. A lot. I really do. Yeah. Um, and I, so fucking eloquent, right? Incredibly eloquent and funny and charming and like, you know, 
she's I, I mean I think it's a it's horrible that that it's not recognized in the African American community I think that's a huge fucking problem that needs to be addressed and as I you know it's like I mean the more I, I you know I think about that it's like you know, most of the recovery sort of quote unquote advocates that are like big on Facebook and stuff and like they're white and they're men. Yes. Tell me I'm wrong. I think you're right. We need more women and we need women of color and we need, you know what I mean, non binary women and we need like all that shit. And it's like they're, I mean, the whole thing about being pregnant and using. That's super stigmatized, but incredibly common and needs to be talked out. It's like, there are some people who can stop using during a pregnancy, and there are other people who fucking cannot. And it's like, you know, that is a common thing that happens. And it's like, we need to understand. It's like, if it's an addiction, it's a disease, and you can, you know, you, know, you can't stop, why would you be able to fucking stop when you're pregnant? I mean, she's lucky that her baby's fine, but it was like, and in terms of white privilege, I don't think that fucking people know, if you have white privilege your whole life, how would you know you have it? I think people get riled up because it's like, we don't understand the experience of not having that privilege. Hmm. I think it's interesting. I, I cannot wait till because uh, my father was like fuming about this. That he he yelled at me the other day that he had something else to say about it, but I wouldn't let him say it. So, uh, Dopey Nation, stay tuned for that. My my white privilege is is obviously out there. I work in um, a restaurant that's just just Dominicans and me, and uh, and it's very obvious my white privilege. And um, I would say it's uh it's it's a we I don't even like to speak about it because it's so odd and and weird. But obviously, uh, the things that I've gotten to get away with and do, uh, not everybody gets to get away with and do. Right, right, and, right. And we'll right. leave it at that. And Dopey Nation. I mean, more than anything, I think it's amazing to hear from, you know. All of you, you know, Adira, I appreciate uh, you being a woman of color and stepping in. Adam, yeah. I appreciate you just being who you are and and, and, and telling your story. Dopey's about the sergeant. Yeah, but Dopey's about uh, being a drug addict and and it's about being an alcoholic or, or struggling or having a loved one who who couldn't fucking uh, get with it and you couldn't understand how they were thinking. This is a window into Correct. the mind of an addict, Correct. and more than anything, Dopey is designed. To, for addicts to feel like they're being kept company. We keep you company, Correct. you know? Um, which is all I ever wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a laugh. Because it's fucking lonely. Using's fucking lonely. And you're shamed by people, and you're like, feel, you know what I mean? You isolate. That's part of the disease, and it's fucking lonely. When you hear other people, you feel better. Like that guy, you know, he felt a weight come off his, Adam felt a weight come off his shoulders when he just told one person what the fuck was going on. So having that, extra, you know, you're providing that oh my god me too so like you know, all these listeners. Well, so, so are you right now. Alone. Well, what about you people? Know? What about, see, this is an interesting thing you're bringing up because what about people who feel lonely uh, in recovery? You know, I, I think like that's where we're, we're going to meetings is a useful thing. You know, I think there's so many people, oh, god, yeah. they try to do, they try to get sober. They try to be in recovery and they hate meetings and they don't get it. And I think part of the reason is there is a, a, a release of, of, I guess it's, what is it? Serotonin. It's uh, what's the thing in your brain? Yeah, Your dopamine rises when you don't, when you don't feel isolated and you feel connected and you feel, you don't feel ashamed when you're feeling connected. I mean, like I was at a meeting on Monday 
and it's like I talked about how I literally had to block some dude's number because I was going to send a shitty text and I'm six years clean like that's six years clean that's behavior at six years clean it was like I could not you know, and people fucking laughed people identified I tweeted that shit and people were like thanks for keeping it real like we need to fucking keep recovery real and not like pretend like you fucking get sober and all you're like some fucking angel like I'm still a dick you know, you know what, what I, I mean? do I still struggle with dickly behaviors I mean what I do is when I get a text and I get really angry and I can't and I, I want to respond and, and I don't and I can't not respond I, I just yeah. I erase the thread that's my move. That is my, my sober tool for not raging in text, is I erase the thread. Yeah, I mean, it's like whatever, I, I wasn't going to make amends. It was like, you know, his behavior showed me who he was. There was just no point in that shit. And it's just like, you know, being honest that you're not perfect just because you're, you're in recovery. You know, but I do. I think that that's where the meetings and it's like there's so you don't have to go to AA. There's all kinds of fucking different programs. But having that connection to other people who fucking get your fucked up thinking, you know what I mean? Who get the future tripping? Who get the fucking fear? Who get the self loathing? Like you know? Who get the thing about erasing a contact because you can't do anything else with it? Yeah, because you're just like I'm gonna hand this person their fucking ass, and it's gonna just come back on you. You know what I mean? Of course. And then I'll tell my sponsor and he'll be like, you have to make amends. And it's like, fuck that. So I'm just like, okay, how do I control this behavior? Like, okay, I'm going to just, you know. Well, so, I mean, it was it was awesome to do a photo shoot where there were some people in, you know, recovery there. And I just was like, I fucking, you know, really have a hard time taking photos. I feel really uncomfortable. A lot of self-hatred comes up. Blah, 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 blah. Freaking out about my age, whatever. And having everyone there fucking just like get it. You know what I mean? Get the self-loathing. I don't know that that ever fucking goes away completely. Well, I think that oh, has thanks, to... Oh, thanks for telling me you look good on Skype, you dick. I'm like, who looks... I look like, a, I look like a Vince Neil on Skype. I mean, it, it's, it's, I look so bizarre. And you're like, I look great on Skype. I thought it was just like Jew unfriendly. And you're like, I look great on Skype. I was like, fuck you. I was just joking. I don't look particularly good on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> that made me so mad. <laughs> I was joking. I don't really look good anywhere. I, I look pretty much the same That's wherever I am. That's still not true. That's not true, Dave. Um, what was I going to say? Um, I love this kind of stuff because it's also like a lot of your comedy and your art is obviously around your recovery. And I think it's because of, of what we're talking about. It, it, it keeps you safe. It keeps you it keeps you in connected and it keeps yeah. you talking about it. And it's you know, it's it's carrying the message, you know, and and, um, and I know that I always wanted to have a show and I never expected to have a show about uh you know, drugs, addiction, dumb shit, and recovery. But I do feel very much connected to the world uh, of people that need help. And um, and it's weird because I also don't feel like I can really help them. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, of, course, uh, of course. Like I heard from this woman the other day. Yeah, but you are helping them. You're helping them not feel alone. You're helping them give them hope. It was like... You know, like, I just wrote my book, and it was like, I just was like, okay, I'm going to be as honest as I can about all my shit. And it was like, I heard that this girl's brother is a heroin addict, and it's like, he's super gnarly, it's su he's super gnarly, and it's really bad, 
and she doesn't understand it, and she doesn't know what the fuck to do, and she read my book, and it helped her understand the way we think, right. and why we don't stop when really gnarly shit happens. And it's like, I never thought it would help. You know, it's helping fucking families of addicts. It's like, you know, just the fucking knowing that we're not alone in this, like that we did something fucking retarded, or you're not supposed to say that word, I take that back, stupid, and, um, and that other people are laughing and have done the same thing. That lifts the shame, and shame is deadly. I really believe that. I, I think you're right. Fucking shame lowers your dopamine, and you're fucked. And it's like, whenever I fucking start to sink, it's always feeling ashamed about stuff. Right, right. I think Fuck shame, man. Fuck shame. It's not helpful. Amy, you know, like, you know what? Amy, what? I think yeah, I think yeah. this could be your best dopey appearance ever. Really? Yeah, I think it's good. I felt like I wasn't caffeinated enough. No, I think you're doing great. I really do. I think okay. this is great, yeah. and I think it's beautiful. Um, and I want to read you this last one. I think also the yeah, thing, the reason, the reason that I think this is. Um, I really like this is because it's very dopey and dopey nation uh, write an email let us know what you thought everybody loves Amy I just got a text from somebody in the dopey nation last night how they're so grateful that you're in their life by the way oh is, no way isn't that so I'm nice gonna I'm gonna fucking cry are oh, you g- serious oh, give me a break you, you hear this fuck stuff you. I'm sensitive <laughs> fuck you I, that's amazing it's a woman in the dopey nation oh. Um, and she said how happy she is that uh, that you're in her life and that we brought you there. And so she'll be psyched that you're on this week. Now I'm gonna read. Aww. I'm gonna read this email. It's very dopey. Lovely. You ready? No, it's amazing to feel like useful. You know what I mean? It's amazing to feel useful. I do know what you mean. It is amazing. I totally know yeah. what you mean. Okay, this is a woman named Andrea. She writes, mm-hmm. and this is sad, sad email, not funny email. Oh God! Okay, great. I'm so tired of being addicted to this crap, but I just oh. can't see a way out of it. I know it's an excuse at the end of the day, but how do I get treatment when I'm $60,000 in credit card debt and freelancing for work living check to check? Mm-hmm. I live in Brooklyn and started to Airbnb my living room to help pay my habit. Only, only now it's too big to pay for, so here I am trying to go the 24 hours without so I can get on Subutex for a little while. It all sounds easy in hindsight until I get to this point and everything is just awful. Are there any free places that I can go to for detox that will let me keep prescribed benzos? Last place I did, oh last place I did a detox took me off Xanax but put me on Ativan, which was a whole lot of nonsense. Anyway, I want to quit. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I probably sound very whiny right now, but fuck it. You've been here, right? I copped like three techs and a strip, and I'm definitely rocking a cow's score of above 15. I'm not, that I'm not, I don't know, but you know, forgive me. I don't know. I'm terrified. So tell it, I mean, I maybe, oh, I think she's saying three hex, uh, which are like hexagonal, uh, suboxones, like eight milligram oh, okay, pills okay, okay, and okay. a strip, but I don't know what a cow's score is. Okay. Um, but maybe I'm just stupid. I, I, dopey nation. If you guys understand what the fuck I'm talking about, please let me know. I'm thinking the hexes are, are suboxone and the strip is suboxone, but I haven't done suboxone in like seven years. So forgive me anyway. Right. But so, so terrified of PWD, I think that's withdrawal. Post withdrawals. Yeah. I'm trying, yes, yes. I'm trying to wait at least another 10 hours. I definitely have had Fent in my stuff because I can't go more than a couple hours without using and I'll get sick very fast and it's been this way for the past year at least. 
Anyway, please don't use my last name. I guess I'm just hoping this ends well, and maybe someone knows a place that takes people with no money. A couple friends knew and thought I got sober in January, but I relapsed and haven't been able to stop since. I listen to your podcast frequently, sometimes for days in a row, and sometimes it'll be a couple weeks. I love that it gives me hope to hear about people who have recovered. I guess when I'm sick like now, though, it just doesn't... Um, seem possible. Anyway, thanks for using your time to help people like me. If you know of any free detox that won't take away my drugs, let me know. It's been an issue with with trying to find a sub doctor as well. Everyone wants uh, to take me off benzos, but I've been on them since I was 15 for PTSD, panic disorder, etc. And I'm not ready to climb that mountain. Dope, I get that. Dope, maybe hugs and toodles and all that. A, so that's pretty pretty hardcore, right? I mean, first of all, I get that. I mean, when I went into my second rehab. They wanted to take me off, you know, they didn't want to take me because I was on phenobarbital for my epilepsy. And I was like, fuck you guys. You know what I mean? So I think, again, a lot of, she's had, she's been on that shit since she was 15. So she obviously has anxiety, panic, sort of PTSD, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, why, you know, this is the problem with demonizing all drugs and thinking that you're going to abuse all medication, you know, because you have to treat her underlying mental illness. You can't take her off dope, and then, which is obviously helping to treat. And, and she's on the Xanax. Why? You know, I let, I got my, my sponsee. I let my sponsee go on Adderall. She'd been on Adderall since she was fucking fifteen years old. And I was like, you know what? I'm not a fucking doctor. Tell your doctor about it. And she's been fine. She doesn't seem it's being doled out to her. It's none of my fucking business. I think we have to really be careful. We don't demonize all medications. I'm on Clonopin for my fucking seizure disorder. You know, I've written pieces about it. People fucking get How much Clonopin are you on? 0.5 milligrams three times a day. And how much does it affect you? Not at all. Interesting. Anyway, you need to take it for your seizure disorder, right? Yeah, totally. It's the only thing that and the pheno have given me a normal EEG. And it's like, you know, I think that we need to just think, like, I've never abused it. I respect my epilepsy too much. I respect my fucking addiction too much. I ran it on my sponsor. We'd run out of all their medications. So it's like, and I think that, you know, there needs to be free treatment. This is what I was asked. I was on another podcast, and they said, what do you think needs to change? And I said, we have to have free treatment and free detox available for everyone. And also, treatment has to be more individualized. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it gets very confusing because, you know... I, I don't even know what to say about it. Like I've been on, I was on um, benzos for a long, long time, and if I went into, a, if I wasn't, you know, I didn't, ha- I, I didn't have that situation when I was a teenager. You know, I didn't have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. I didn't have panic disorder. I just loved benzos, and it was an anxious, neurotic Jew, um, and lived for benzos. But like, it, it's just very hard to treat. Uh, individualized treatment because so many people want one thing and don't want another thing or like like I have friends who like wanted to give up dope but didn't want to give up weed and, and they, they, they just couldn't get you know what that, that's like hey let's meet people where the fuck they're at though because you know what it's her hair fentanyl and heroin habit is gonna fucking kill her you know what I mean well, this is this is kill people this is or, this is the most important piece of the puzzle. You know what you're saying is what a lot of people who are listening to the show are saying that I'm not saying enough of, and and the only not reason, everyone wants 
to be absent or can. So it's like, let's meet them where they're fucking at. I'd rather have, you know, this girl like on Xanax, which she's not like some benzo fucking addict. You know what I mean? She's got real psychological problems that she needs that shit for. Let's get her off the fucking fentanyl. You know what I mean? I don't know what the, I don't know. I think benzos and suboxone have some weird interaction. I'm not a doctor. So, but like they would have to sort that out. But it's like, I mean, Ativan fucks you fucking even more up. Than Xanax, in my opinion. Not, she doesn't opinion. think so. She wasn't impressed with the Ativan. But my my only situation with it, and it, and I only speak from my experience with this stuff, is that whenever I wanted to give up one thing but keep another thing, I would always wind up back on the first thing. That was always my experience, personally. You know. Yeah. I mean, I never wanted to keep anything. I mean, I just didn't want to have a seizure. You know what I mean? Like, I got off the Pheno, and I tried every other medication with another sponsor, and I kept seizing, or the side effects were unbearable, and then whatever. So what it's, it's like... You know what? What it's really about is your actual bottom-of-the-barrel truth. It's like, I always yeah, go back to my really friend... Need it, or is she not willing to give it up? Ex- exactly. Like, That's the fucking real question. I- exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I talk, sure. I talk about my friend Todd all the time. My friend... Todd was a was a crazy drug addict, pothead, heroin addict, coke fiend, uh, pill head. He did everything, um, and whenever he he would he couldn't afford heroin, and uh, he hated being on uh, any kind of medicated assisted treatment. And when he would get clean, he would say, "Oh man, all I want to do is smoke weed." And um, but in reality, he didn't want to get clean. You know, if all he wanted to do was smoke clean uh, smoke weed, that would have been one thing. But the truth was, he didn't really want to get clean. Okay, so that's the real question there, though. That's the real question. It's like, I know fucking heroin addicts who can drink wine occasionally. Like, that's not my experience at fucking all, but I don't want to be some fundamentalist AA asshole and be like, you know, abstinence or nothing. It's like, hey man, if you're moving away from the thing that's destroying your fucking life and you can moderate other shit, okay, that's your journey, man. If you're not, totally. that's, if you're not destroying your life, Mazel tov, you know? Yeah, Fuck I, mean, it. I think we need to, you know, the fundamentalism and the fucking, that needs to go away. It's just not helpful. Not everyone wants to be abstinent. Or can't. Whenever and I've like, been, you know. whenever I've been fundamental, it's always been from my own perspective. Meaning, for me, I have to be fundamental well, that's, that's, that's for you. me. Yeah, of course, that's you. But that's fine. But I think that there is a fundamentalism sometimes within the treatment community or within AA that can be really dangerous and is very off-putting to people who just, you know, it's like let them find out for themselves that she that they can't fucking just take benzos that right. they take heroin and they abuse benzos or they, or they don't we don't fucking know exactly this is why genetic testing is so important because that's going to show like people's real fucking brain chemistry shit i mean i hate to be all sciencey but that's my new obsession is like that whole thing and also creating a life for yourself where you don't want to fucking check out Right. That's really that's what we're really talking about. Trying to enjoy your life uh, for your life, you know? Yeah. I mean, I had sponsees who I thought were abusing like Benadryl or whatever. And I was like, you know, I told I was like, you need to reset your time. And my sponsor was just like, she was like, well, I'm going to go out and do crystal then. And so I had to make a decision. And my sponsor was like. You know what, honey? Keep her in the rooms. That's what's important. If later on down the road she was like, you know what? I was abusing Benadryl in my first year of sobriety and I want to reset my time six months back, she will. We want to keep people in some sort of recovery. I use Benadryl from time to time. 
to go to sleep? No, to, well, yes. No, she was... Yes. Okay. I, I do. When again, I can't sleep, I, I take Benadryl. Okay. Again, I think that everyone's recovery is fucking their own. And it's, you know, and it can be different. And I don't like any fundamentalism. I just think it's fucking dangerous. Sometimes I smoke weed when I have an upset stomach, too. No, you just, fucking Just don't. to settle my nerves. <laughs> no, you don't. Sometimes I, I, I put heroin up my butt just to, just to settle my nerves. <laughs> All right, Amy, it's been a joy as always to have you on. And I think that we really covered a lot of ground today. Thanks for having me on always. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's yeah, a, it's follow a, Colonel Pop Pop and watch him grill the fuck out of me. Oh, give me a break. Keep getting laid forever. Oh, my God. Dude, is that, I mean, do you want to set up? We could do a Howard Stern kind of thing. I know you don't want to do this. But we could do a, like a, a dial-a-date in Los Angeles for Amy Dresden. Yeah. You don't want to? I know some real scumbags out there that would love to no, take I you out. Scumbag. Oh. I was talking to someone who has like 20 years sobriety as an interventionist, and I was like, fucking all these douchebags are attracted to me. He goes, flip that around, sweetheart. And I was like, oh, I'm attracted to douche. It means I'm attracted to douchebags. It's my shit. Wow. That's I was like, ooh. I was like, ooh. Well, I got breaking up. I gotta go. <laughs> that's funny. All right, Amy. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you of soon. Of course, my pleasure. Bye, doll. Bye, bye, bye. So that was awesome having Amy on the show. And now it's Friday night. The show is about to come out. I'm alone in the attic, and um, I had some ideas for the rest of the show. Originally, Hot Wheels was going to come on, but sometimes things just don't go uh, the way we'd like. So, Hot Wheels, thank you, and um, we're going to get you on soon. Uh, I look forward to that. Lots of stuff has been happening, but the most important thing that you guys should know about that's happening is uh, I've been killing myself with work. This morning, I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I did two catering jobs. I'm running all over the place. Tomorrow, uh, we're having um, my baby daughter's first birthday party, which is very exciting. So, like, lots of stuff is happening. Um, Obviously, family comes first. And then work comes second because, you know, you can't feed the family without work. Uh, But Dopey definitely comes third. And uh, I love making the show, which you guys know. Um, But it's killing me, I have to say. I wish there was more time in the day. I wish I could get more sleep. I wish I didn't have to work. It's time to, to turn Dopey into some sort of media juggernaut. And I think you guys should do something to help. So if you guys have any ideas of what you could do to turn Dopey into the media juggernaut that it should be, send an email to dopeypodcast uh, at gmail.com. But I also have to say that a lot of you guys have done a ton of shit to turn Dopey into the uh, media juggernaut it's become. And uh, I want to thank a lot of people uh, before the show ends. I want to thank Brad, my buddy Brad, who helped... uh, come up with the idea in the first place who, who Chris and I or who I'd have to say I stole Brad's idea of a, a podcast about drugs and did it with Chris but Brad is always uh, on the periphery always lending a hand and the audio with Amy Dresner was all fucked up and Brad fixed it so thank you Brad I want to thank my buddy Greg who's been doing a ton of editing on the show any long interview uh, Greg usually cuts or Brad But Greg has done a lot, and I haven't given him credit, so let's thank Greg. I want to thank my friend Sam, who's lent a ton of time and energy and ideas to making Dopey better. Thank you, Sam. I want to thank uh, Dopey Nation for listening. 
I want to thank the moderators on the Dopey Nation uh, Facebook page. Even though the Facebook page says some negative things about me from time to time, the moderators are good folks. I want to thank Andrew and Paulina and Catherine. So thank you guys. I also want to thank the great Cormac for doing uh, Dopey Reddit. Dopey Reddit is is on fire lately. Lots of amazing Dopey Reddit stuff. Check out Reddit, uh, the Dopey Podcast feed. I want to thank uh, the great Joey Pepper. Joey Pepper recently turned up. He sent me these incredible dopey decals. Uh, One of them said, Stay Strong Dopey Nation. I put it up on Instagram. Uh, Joey Pepper is always out there. Great, great dopey fan. All of you guys out there in the Dopey Nation, um, it's amazing that uh, we started making this podcast, you know, about three and a half years ago, and some of you started listening. And then um, more of you started listening, and some of you uh, relapsed, and some of you died, and obviously Chris and Todd died, uh, and and a bunch of you got clean. So I think you guys should give yourselves a big round of applause. And I'm sure a bunch of you have relapsed also, and if you're listening and you're using, you know, what the fuck? At least you're not dead, Uh, but you can get it together if you want, and life without drugs isn't as bad as uh, you might imagine. Now, I tried something new, and I put up this thing, uh, answering questions on Twitter. So I'm going to answer some fucking Twitter questions. Here we go. Question number one from Wootness. Wootness41 says, where are you in the steps? I know when Chris was around, you were stuck on six and seven. Well, Wootness, I actually got through the steps, I finished all of them, and I actually am starting over with this new sponsor, and I'm back on step four. Okay, so that's the answer for that. But I've been dragging my feet on my second go-around with step four, but we'll see how that goes. Um, Rocks wants to know if Alan can talk more about family support group that helped him and my mom cope. It was Family Anonymous. It was called Families Anonymous, and it helped them a lot. They also joined a gay square dancing group called the Times Squares. Oh, Germ Boy, Dopey Fanatic, wants to know, is Ezra dead? Now, if you guys are real Dopey fans, you remember Ezra is a homeless man who used to hang outside the restaurant that I work at, and uh, me and him would get into fights about cigarettes and him asking me for shit and uh, stuff like that. And uh, Ezra was was totally interesting character. I thought he was dead, uh, but he's not dead. He turned up. Ezra is alive. Uh, I wouldn't say he's well, but a couple months ago, Ezra was alive. Um, Now, Germ Boy again, dopey fanatic, Germ Boy, who I love, wrote, uh, he did some Amy Dresner art, which you guys will see tomorrow. He says, if you're taking questions, does this mean that you're doing more solo Dave bits? If so, then I, sh- then I sure think that's awesome. I miss hearing your rants and raves on the show. Thank you, Germ Boy. I think it is too. Um, I think a lot of it is because of that chick who said I'm pinched alone. It's like, give me a break. Um, and also my plan for tonight's show fell apart, so I'm trying to improvise. Um, blah, blah, blah. So many people are struggling with a family member or a friend. It would be good. That's not really a question. And that's my live tweeting questions. Now we're going to go to an email, another email. This email is from a guy named Ben. I think he's written the show a bunch of times, and I never read his email, so I'm going to read his email now. He says, Dave, um, greetings from Minnesota. 98 days free from alcohol and cocaine today. Congratulations, Ben. It's awesome. 
You haven't replied to my previous emails, which of course awakes my insecurities, and so I'll put you on my 10th step for the day. You're a busy, hardworking guy. The podcast keeps me company and is a key part of my non-meeting sobriety and gives me hope. So keep up the good work and I'll keep pestering you. Some thoughts and a poem. Number one, Ben thinks Dopey needs more voices from people of color and from diverse economic backgrounds. Keep a chart. Give me a break, Ben. It's important. The recovery community is so white, middle class, upper middle. We, we talked about this today. We had a woman of color on the show. I'm not keeping a chart. Sorry, Ben. That's number one. Ben, number two, I suggest going to more meetings and not exhausting yourself. Well, I go to meetings and I'm exhausted. Don't relapse on us and your family. I had five years once upon a time. I got everything I ever wanted and more. I stopped going to meetings and substituted the journalism community for AA. My ex-wife became my higher power. I drank again, and now I'm back in rehab at 44. Yeah. While Dopey is a valuable service, it is not a substitute for meetings, working with others, and working a program. And I'm not 12-step exclusive. Beware of working too hard. Remember Halt. The story about the sports drink at Katz's is scary. Yeah, I work too hard. I am exhausted, but I do go to meetings, and I do not substitute uh, Dopey for meetings, and neither should any of you. Um, Blah, 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 blah. It would be great to hear you ask more questions of your guests about their craziest, wildest, and most interesting experiences in sobriety. All right, Ben. Uh, We'll do that sometime. Oh, Ben, you're killing me here. For example, the guest who talked about transcendental meditation was awesome and inspiring. You mentioned, oh, that was uh, Ashley, Ashley Hamilton. You mentioned making a decision on a recent episode and how it was something that came for you at just the right moment, set up by a particular and unique alignment of circumstances. This is a key moment in every recovering person's life. I would have liked to hear you talk more about it. Well, basically, uh, I got lucky and I needed to get sober. And, and that's how I decided to make a decision. I made a decision because I wanted to be sober. And, and it was a total, total unique experience. Um, a unique set of circumstances, we'll call it. And a unique experience. It was my unique experience that got me sober. Do I have a higher power? Yes. What does my higher power look like? It's none of your business. Do I struggle with it? Not really. Did I have a hard time with that? Okay, I did. My higher power experience is this. Um, I struggled with the idea of uh, whatever, uh, what do you call it, a creative God or a, a, you know, a God that actually made decisions or gave a shit. Uh, that perception of God never made any sense to me. I grew up in a house that was culturally Jewish, but uh, didn't really have any God. My dad doesn't believe in God. He doesn't really like God. Um, He thinks God is silly. Um, And I get that. I I, kind of love when people really believe in God. It's something that I guess uh, never really came to me in in a way that was like a classic God. And I heard all the AA cliches. It could be a group of drunks or uh, the room or the worst is a doorknob. I don't know why anyone ever says a doorknob. But uh, one thing my old sponsor used to say is he'd say, uh, are you desperate? Uh, And if you are, and I was desperate, and if you are desperate, consider your G-O-D as a gift of desperation. And I just wanted to get better. So I said, okay, I'll do that. And then they said to pray. So I just asked 
the universe for help. And, and I never didn't believe in the wonder of the universe, like, you know, the just the immensity of the ocean or the beauty of a sunset or trees or whatever. So it wasn't that hard to tap into that sort of uh, universal God, God is the universe, God is everything, me being a part of everything and being smaller than everything. And that's, that's how I kind of conceived of my higher power, which is really helpful for me. Um, let's see. I need this part of recovery now in my darkest hour, sitting alone and wanting to escape myself. I get it at meetings, but you have some amazing people on the show, and I feel like you could pull more out of them on the recovery side that might make for a more fun, informative, and recovery-enhancing, dopey listening experience. Yeah, I mean, I recommend, if you're fucked, praying to God, even if you don't believe in God, asking the universe for help. I really think if you're fucked and you ask the universe for help in a dark room, that you will receive help. And then he says, number four, I would fly from Minnesota for DobeCon. You might want to look at the St. Mark's Theater in the East Village. I know people, whatever, I know people who run a few meetings there. It's run down, but kind of punk rock. DobeCon exists in my mind. I have a, a couple friends who are opening a uh, karaoke bar, half sober, half alcoholic uh, on the Lower East Side, and they want us to host Dopey there. I think 100 people can fit there, maybe a little bit less. I'm really, 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 really thinking about doing it. I would love to meet a bunch of you guys. I would love to, to do something. So DopeyCon is still a pipe dream in the works. He says, I fucking love hearing the Long Island Railroad passing in the distance on the podcast. I'm out here in the great northern Midwest, and I miss New York City. The whistle and your accent and attitude brings New York right into my ears in my sober house in St. Paul or when I'm walking the sadly mostly pedestrian-free streets here. Thanks. Um, and that's Ben. So thank you, Ben. That's a lot of stuff. Um, what do you guys think about Ben's suggestions? Write me at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Please contribute to the show. And then really interestingly enough, at the end of that whole thing, Ben sent in a poem. Uh, the poem is called Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it's by this guy named Nick Flynn. And really randomly... Or maybe not so randomly, Nick Flynn actually showed up at my job a, a month ago or two months ago. He's an author. He wrote a book called Another Bullshit Night in Suck City. And um, he was sitting in the restaurant and he was watching me wait tables. And eventually he pulled me over and he was like, uh, I like the podcast. And I was like, cool. And he was like, I'm an author and this is my book. And he gave me his book, Another Bullshit Night in Suck City. And, um, and, and the same week that I got this email from Ben, Nick Flynn sent me a copy of the same poem that Ben sent me. So I reached out to Nick Flynn and told him that I had heard from someone in the Dopey Nation, and he said he wanted to read it. So here's Nick Flynn, the author of Another Bullshit Night in Suck City, doing his poem, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. First uh, poem on Dopey, so stand by. Hi, Dopey Podcast. This is Nick Flynn. I'm going to read a poem I wrote. It's called Philip Seymour Hoffman. Last summer, I found a small box stashed away in my apartment, a box filled with enough Vicodin to kill me. I would have sworn that I'd thrown it away years earlier, but apparently not. I stared at the white pills blankly for a long while. I even took a picture of them before finally, definitely throwing them away. 
I'd been sober again for some years when I found that box, but every addict has one, a little box, metaphoric or actual, hidden away. Before I flushed them, I held them in the palm of my hand, marveling that at some point in the not-so-distant past it seemed a good idea to keep a stash of pills on hand. For an emergency, I told myself. What kind of emergency? What if I needed a root canal on a Sunday night? This little box would see me through until the dentist showed up for work the next morning. Half my brain told me that, while the other half knew that looking into that box was akin to seeing a photograph of myself standing on the edge of a bridge, a bridge in the familiar dark neighborhood of my mind, that comfortable place where I could somehow believe that fuck it was an adequate response to life. All right, Dopey, thanks. How cool is that? Nick Flynn, the great author and poet, uh, coming in with the Dopey. I need to read this uh, Another Bullshit Night in Suck City before uh, I get Nick on the show. But uh, I met him for like 15 minutes at work, and he seemed really cool. Uh, We call that a great uh, Todd shot, God shot, coincidence, whatever you guys want to call it. But I think it's pretty cool. Um, We've come to the end of another show. Uh, it felt like a very old school show to me. Thank you, Amy Dresner. Thank you, everybody that, that chipped into the show. Thank you, everybody. Before we go, because um, what the fuck? How many times am I not going to play Christina's voicemail? So I'm going to sign off, and I'm going to play Christina's voicemail. And uh, just one thing you need to know is she recorded this voicemail before Chris died. So uh, I have a hard time listening to it. Uh, I totally miss Chris. The show is obviously totally different without him, but uh, he died. And most importantly, he died uh, relapsing on heroin. So if you guys are out there in the middle of a relapse, just know that you could die. And I'm sure you do, but just also know that you could get well. So that's worth knowing. Before we go, here's Christina. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Dave. Uh, I just want to start out by saying to Dave, I'm really sorry to hear about Todd. Uh, I'm really sorry for your loss today. I was looking back on a couple old dopey episodes. And the first one that, that caught my eye was the one with Todd when he was on a five minute break from work and you both were talking to him. And he mentioned that there was a couple people in his life that had recently overdosed and that he didn't think that at this point in his life, after using drugs for so many years, that drugs would end up taking him out. It would be his, his work life or, or being a waiter that would uh, kill him before drugs ever did. And it was really chilling to hear that recording of his voice. And I'm very sorry for your loss, Dave. Uh, I also want to congratulate both of you on getting already on the show. That ending was insane. It was so good. So congratulations. Um, so I am in beautiful Seattle right now, and it's the summertime and I'm out cycling, which is something that I really enjoy doing. And it reminded me of a dopey story that I thought that I would share with you. This was one of my relapses that happened uh, several years back. And I had a year and a half clean at the time, but 
and I had gotten over the the struggles of depression and anxiety. I'd gotten to like a pretty comfortable place, but I couldn't get over the obsessive cravings that I was experiencing for dope. And it had been many, many months, and I had been I had been entertaining the idea of relapsing. And I was cycling a lot at the time because it was a tool that I used to try to get out of my head. And so I would just obsessively exercise and obsessively cycle uh, to just try to reduce some of these cravings that I was feeling. And if you've seen the movie The The Secret, I think I manifested just like poppies showing up everywhere on um on the trail that I would frequently ride on uh just by like the laws of attraction I thought about opiates all the time and I just so happened to just see poppies everywhere and I still do to this day I think that poppies are just very common in Seattle but everywhere I went on uh while cycling I seemed to see poppies and then I came across one day I came across this batch of of poppies um it was like a field of them and it was the it, it looked exactly like the sort of poppies that you see in the documentaries about uh, opium coming from Mexico or Afghanistan. It was the the red poppies with the black, and there was pods everywhere in this field that I came across, and it just looked exactly like what you would see in, in videos about uh, how to produce opium. So I reason with myself, and I think, okay, I'm not going to go blow a year and a half of uh of being clean on buying dope but i'll just make some uh opium out of these poppies <laughs> and i wasn't even sure if it was gonna work but i had used poppies in the seattle area before to make poppy tea and there is definitely a substance that is i mean some sort of op- opium that's within these poppies that that do grow in this area um that creates an opiate effect. And I had nodded out from opium tea that I had made from poppies that I found in this area. So I knew that there was something in in these poppies, but I wasn't sure exactly what I would find. But I, So I'm reasoning and I'm like, you know what? These pods look exactly like what the videos look like. So I picked a bunch of them and I brought them back to my house and I watched a couple more videos to make sure I was doing it right. And I ended up, cutting little slits in the in the pods that I had collected and I'm thinking I'm gonna harvest some raw opium and then uh I'm gonna use that and I had had this obsession too about uh about shooting something you know like I I didn't want to I didn't want to use drugs or like snort drugs or or smoke any sort of drugs or drink or whatever I had this obsession about shooting something so I was like I'm gonna make some raw opium out of these poppies and uh and I'm gonna shoot it so I I make the little cuts in in the the poppies and I put them in my closet and I make vases out of uh water bottles so if you were to open up my closet you see all these water bottles and just like poppy pods with their stems going into the water bottles and little slits on them like you would see in the videos and within uh, the hour I knew that it was not going to work out. They did kind of secrete this gum-like um, 
goo that came out and it did kind of get brown but it was such trace amounts there was no way that I was going to be able to collect enough to be able to get high off of well since I had been entertaining this this craving since I had really fed into it my obsession grew and it was either the next day or a couple days later I'm back on the trail I'm back cycling and I uh, parked my car really far away from downtown Seattle and I'm riding for like an hour and a half and uh, my cravings are just so bad that I'm like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to go ride by the old uh, needle exchange just to like see what's up and just see if people still hang out there. Uh, And uh, so I did that and I rode my bike casually in the alley where I knew there was a needle exchange And uh, just as expected, there was a lot of people that were hanging out, getting their needles, clearly uh, drug users. And so I did my first little ride by and then uh, I made the decision that I was going to go and ask someone for heroin. So I parked my bike and I and I walked up the alley again uh, and I went up to the first two people that I saw and I said, hey, you know, I. I hate to ask, but do you know anywhere where I I can find some dope? And instantly it was like, yeah, honey, I got you. Like, what do you need? Like, day or night? And within a couple of minutes, I I had uh, a little bit of heroin. And then I went to the nearest uh, Fred Meyer. And and I used it. And, uh, And then I got back on my bike. And I'm still an hour and a half away from where my car is parked. So, and I had only used a little bit, but I did shoot it, and uh, and I knew that I didn't want to use a lot because I didn't want to overdose, since it had been so long since I had used any opiates. Uh, but it was very strong, and the only I have two memories from my that hour and a half ride back to my where my car was parked. Uh, the first memory I think was probably like forty five minutes into the ride. I had to pull over and it was right by where the Microsoft building is uh, in the Seattle area. And I had to pull over by the side of the road. And there was a lot of people. This is like a main cycling trail. There's a lot of people going by. And I, uh, I pull over because I have to throw up because <laughs> the dope's so good. And I just throw up in the trees while people are passing by. Uh, and then I get back on my bike and I don't really remember the next like half hour or so. I just remember getting to... Uh, the park where my car was parked and seeing a patch of grass and just thinking like, I'm so sleepy right now. Um, It's like eight o'clock at night, but I think I'm going to take a nap because I don't want to nod out when I'm driving home. So I lie down on the grass uh, in an area where, of course, I mean, like it's almost nighttime, so no one's taking a nap in in a park. Uh, So I lie down in, in the grass and I take a nap for a little bit. I set my alarm and, uh, and I wake up an hour later and my eyes like slowly open and I'm thinking like, damn, I'm feeling really good right now, but uh, I should probably get home and my eyes open slowly and I'm passed out or I I like laid down to take a nap uh, in the lawn of a, <laughs> of a police department. And so uh, I'm, I think it was after hours. No, I, I mean, no one came up to me. So I get up and I like slowly get back on my bike and then uh, go right over to my car and and, uh, and then I go home and the next morning I wake up and I'm instantly just in shock of, uh, of what I did the, the day before. And I go and I throw up again because, because I'm so sick. 
and and then I'm looking through my phone just uh, t- to see <laughs> if I could piece together anything that uh, I didn't remember from the day before and I open up my my photos and I had stopped at so many landmarks on my hour and a half ride home on my bike uh, like well-known landmarks in Seattle to take selfies of myself in front of you know different parks and things uh, and I have no recollection of it and in a couple of the photos my eyes are completely closed and I'm nodded out but I'm still taking a photo of myself in front of in front of these landmarks uh and then the rest was history, you know, how relapses go. So uh, I love you both, and um, stay strong. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by. And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive. Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And my shadows get smaller, smaller. City far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had